0: women up radio designed to facilitate women's empowerment improve your career develop your talents incorporate your passions achieve fulfillment and success hello this is women up radio supporting empower women and today we're talking about diversity in medicine and opening the doors for the next generation i'm joined in the studio by my guest dr patrice baptiste Doctor, writer, STEMnet ambassador, and founder of Dream Smart Tutors, which is an organization that aims to help prospective medical students, especially but not exclusively students from less privileged and BME backgrounds. So, welcome to the program, Patrice.
1: Oh, hello, thank you for having me on your show. So, Patrice, tell me
0: about your career and your experience as a woman entering the field of medicine
1: um so my career so it started um a long time ago really um I always knew I wanted to be a doctor
0: yeah. um
1: from about the age of four years old really um yes um I think it was a combination of things really I mean I always liked learning I really enjoyed learning new things um and And the cliche you know um, that everyone says is helping helping people, mm-hmm. um, I think early on, I read about Mary Seacole and dr. Bernardo, and I think these were some of the key players actually that fueled my um passion and desire to become a doctor um, so yeah, so I think I was quite fortunate because I knew quite early on that I wanted to be a doctor, so i I could kind of carve out my path and make the the choices or the correct choices um to get there whereas some of my friends you know they struggled because they didn't really know what um, degree they wanted to study what a levels to choose whereas i knew um so i feel like i was quite fortunate um so i studied at a comprehensive school um which you know again faced <laughs> faced face challenges from from there um you know, a lot of uh, the comprehensive schools are not really equipped uh, compared to some of the independent schools in terms of um, supporting students uh, to get into medical school, knowing what information and what support to provide them with. So for me, that was quite difficult. And then also um, not being directly connected to any doctors. Um, so that, again, was a challenge in terms of trying to understand more about the career, um, the challenges that I would face and then also trying to secure work experience I mean a lot of students who are connected to doctors um you know it's much easier for them to to get into a hospital and to get a placement or to even just understand more about the profession um, yeah. or even to, to, to sit into a clinic or whether that's private clinic or, or otherwise so there were challenges there as well um but I, again, I was quite fortunate because my dad worked in a hospital and so I managed to get some work experience there. Um, although it wasn't what I would, I wouldn't advise anyone to have the work experience that I did, but it, it was enough to get me to, to, you know, to put on my application to get into medical school. Um yeah. And I did a first aid course. So I did a number of different things that I felt, you know, strengthened my applications. But, you know, I got into UCL. um, I did okay. We have to do entrance tests. I did okay on those those tests um, as well. And it was the application overall. And that's what I always say to students. It's it's everything together. So uh, I got into UCL. um, I did six years there. Um, I did one year, um, what they call an intercalated uh, BSc. So that's where you take a year out of your um, degree program to undertake another degree essentially in one year um and I did that in speech science and communication yeah. um and then I graduated of course um and then I went on to work um as a foundation doctor so I did two years um lo- one year at a local hospital and then one year uh South End Hospital yeah. then I took a year out um I needed a career break <laughs> I think when I speak to older um People, um, whether that's my parents or um, you know doctors and who are much senior than I am, or well, at the time they wondered why I was taking a career break because I'd just started my career. Yeah. Uh, I'd done two years, but for me it felt much longer and. I, I, you know looking back I feel that I, I didn't really I wasn't really prepared even though I'd gone through medical school and I'd done my research and I'd been on the wards and I'd spoken to doctors it's yeah. so different to actually you know starting your first day on the wards and starting your you know your first ever real job and uh, which most of us you know coming straight out of medical school that would be our first real kind of um, full-time role yeah. um so for me I I I felt that I needed to take some time out because I, I wasn't sure if I actually made the right decision I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to carry on and you know you know work in that the pressured system which you know is the NHS and yeah. have to go and above and beyond all day every day and as much as I you know I see medicine as a vocation I can't do my job properly and I can't I can't you know um fulfill what I wanted to do if if i'm myself i'm not looking after myself you know yeah. so for me I felt that I needed to take that time out so one think is this what I really want to do and then two just to look after myself and so yeah. I went on a number of kind of careers um, events and networking events, and I had a revelation or like an epiphany you want to call it where I just realized actually I do want to be a doctor and I haven't changed what what I realize it's the system it's the NHS that's made me question my decision to become a doctor or to be a doctor yeah. and once I realized that I realized it you know it made things a lot easier for me I realized I actually wasn't going to leave medicine I was going to go back and I was going to finish my training
0: yeah. um, and
1: then I decided that I was going to choose general practice so for me general practice it allows you to do so many different things and um, for me Again, I like variety, and I get bored quite easily, yeah. so general practice, in itself, in terms of the patients, I see there'll be variety there. But also, there's more autonomy. And when I look back at my younger self, I chose medicine because one of the reasons was because I wanted that autonomy. I wanted a profession. I didn't want change from one job to the other job to the other. I wanted a profession, and I wanted to have control over my, my life, my profession and my career. Yes. And I just felt that being in the hospital with someone telling you when essentially to work and when you can have yeah. time off, if you, if you can ever get time off, it just, yeah. that just doesn't sit well with me. And so for general practice, I can, I can carve out a nice career for myself. I can combine medicine. I can combine education, yeah. um, um, business, you know, being an entrepreneur. I, and, and I can also take time to look after myself. So... I'm on that pathway now. I've, I went back after taking my year out. Um, I applied to the um, general practice um, training program. You know, I got the place that I wanted first time, in London. Yeah. Um, and now my second year, I'll be my third year this August, and then I'll have it'll be my last year, and then one more exam, and then I'll be a GP. So, um, and ultimately, my goal is to be a, have a portfolio career, so not be a portfolio GP, but to have um, GP is just one of the the careers that I um, that I that I obtain basically. That that in a that in a nutshell, a long <laughs> nutshell is um, is my uh, career. It sounds
0: fascinating. It's a very long training medicine, I think, um, and I think there's a lot that you have to do and try and investigate to really decide. What you want and what you like about it—it it seems very difficult to me. Training in medicine, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I think it is. I think what what makes it difficult is that you're cho- you have to choose what you want to specialise in early on, yeah. and I think when I, I've, I've actually worked with some medical um, students from the US, and for them it's even earlier. You know, they have to apply to say psychiatry, and then if they don't want to do psychiatry, then they have to you know go back and then apply. And, and go and do say I don't know um cardiology or something yeah, so yeah. it seems like that's actually a lot worse. whereas at least we have say the two years as foundation doctors we, we work around different specialties and then we have two years to, you know kind of ponder and, and decide although two years some people argue is not enough hence why people go on to do say um further training programs like ACCS or um Uh, core medical training and core core surgical training where they'll have another couple of years or three years where they will rotate around different specialties and get more experience before they, they actually buckle down on the side
0: yeah yeah and so for women because obviously i'm interested in how everything impacts on women um what are the main obstacles for women entering medicine is it just prejudice against women is it lack of role models is it that medical schools don't attract women's students or is it that earlier on women don't actually follow the right subjects on the school curriculum or even that the life choices women have to make later in the career can make them decide that really it's too complicated and it's not something that is possible to do? What do you feel about that?
1: Um, well, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things, and some of them you've mentioned. Um, so I think, so entering medical school, when we look at the numbers, there are actually more women um, than men uh, in as med- you know, medical school. Really? So, yeah, so um, I'm sure the last set of figures I looked at, I think a few years ago, it was more than uh, 55% um, were female Uh, students but when you look further on um, say at you know um, particular fields so surgery is one good example you have I think a very small percentage are you know female uh, consultants yeah so I don't think the issue is whether female students are not picking you know choosing the right subjects or not being selected to get into medical school I think I think that's not probably not the issue i think it's as as women you know progress through their career and, and as they understand more and as you said with life um life events or life choices or what becomes more important to them yes. you know it changes and so um more women might choose general practice because as i said you have a bit more flexibility there mm-hmm. um often some as i've mentioned earlier with surgery it's more male dominated in order to progress your career you, you know you have might like, not just in medicine but in other um the other professions other jobs you have to sometimes you know network outside of the job and actually a promotion happens outside of work than it may happen in inside of work and that's where you know you might go to uh, the pub or a bar um you know in medicine it could be the golf course or it could be um cricket events or something and so yeah. again that might shut down or close some doors for some females who feel actually it's quite very male dominated how will i ever kind of progress the culture might be slightly different so i think there there are a few different things and also you know maybe some lack of role models as well um again the higher you go in medicine although there's been a lot of progress and i would say medicine is still far ahead and you know when you when you compare um other um other other professions other jobs yeah but when you but when you go higher up in senior roles um, although it's changing there still is some work to do even saying the BMA or you know um, political side of medicine again, yeah. it's it's still male dominated so I think there is a combination and I also think as females we do lack confidence in ourselves so yeah. um, we will always kind of be um, a little bit further behind than our male counterparts um, even myself you know I, I've always struggled with confidence issues it doesn't matter if I was getting 90% on on a test I'd still think oh gosh that's that's not <laughs> good enough or, or I fo- you know we focus on the things we, we got wrong you know versus maybe males who go in and and sometimes they might blag their way into certain things and women just will feel like well actually i don't know it's i'm not going to even try i'm not even going to try and you know attempt it whereas a male who who may you could argue in some cases could be less qualified than a female who might be going for the same job but because of the way they portray themselves because of the the confidence they have they'll they'll get that job whereas the female you know who just because she doesn't have that belief that self-belief she won't get it so i think confidence plays a very very big part in in um, progress, care, career progression.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you think there are certain fields of medicine that are less open to women? And also, is it the same all over the world, or are some countries more proactive regarding diversity in medicine, and who actively try to achieve equality?
1: So I think surgery in itself uh, when, when I when I analyze things um, I think surgery is still very male dominated and so although I wouldn't say it's um, not open to women I think because of all the, the factors and all the things I've mentioned earlier I think that that causes um, there to be inevitably just less women yes. um, in that field and also because of the the hours as I've mentioned the antisocial hours um, the on-calls you know unpredictability of the job and some women might view that as not family friendly so I think although there may not be you know conscious or or, you know barriers that are like you know um put in place on purpose I think just it just inevitably happens because of a combination of things um so I would say definitely surgery I think um I'm not really sure about other countries to be honest um I think I can only really comment on um the UK system The yes, uh, yes. smaller part I would say the US because they're a bit similar maybe even Australia as well yeah. I think that there, there are there are um things are changing and I would I would even say that that's across the board yeah. um and I think that obviously there is still a lot of work to do and I think that's that's globally that's you know that's universally I think they just <laughs> we just still have a long way to go although we are making progress
0: yeah. Yeah, and what about the difference between public and private practice? Is there a big difference in opportunities and potential progress for women between those two? I mean, I know public and private is very different in different countries, but if we talk more about the UK for that one, the NHS or being in a a private clinic or something like that, does that make much difference for? women's potential you know what
1: they can get um i suppose um, it it depends really um it does depend i mean if you take say general practice a lot of gps um can work privately yeah and so as i've said a lot of women might um go and choose general practice and so therefore then they would not really have any barriers per se if you know in terms of uh, private work um I think there wouldn't be any kind of barriers there um but then as if we go back and look at say um the number of consultant posts in a hospital that are filled by females and then as a consultant you're so if you're not a consultant you can't do private work essentially so if we look at then the amount of consultant posts that are filled by females if there aren't that many then yeah how many women are then going to be in the private sector yeah um but I think there are definitely a lot of opportunities. I, I mean I would say there's probably more opportunities in the in the private sector, um, and progress than potentially in, in the public sector. Yeah, yeah. Um so I, I think it just I think it just depends on the route you go down and obviously networking who you meet and yeah. how far you want to go. And yeah. I, I think that with medicine, which you know, I'm quite quite fortunate actually that i chose medicine because there are so many opportunities you just you just have to look around you just have to speak to the right people you just have to do your research yeah. and i think if you want to create something for yourself or say if you wanted to go to the private sector i really don't think there should be anything stopping you whether you're a, a male or a female yeah
0: yeah i know but when i look back um of when i used to go to doctors for various reasons. Um, if I think of all of the specialists I've seen, because I've got a blood condition, so I had to see specialists. Um, mm-hmm. They were all men. There wasn't a woman among them. And even when I think when I had my kids, um, I, I went privately for one and NHS for the other. They were both men. Um, and the, in fact, the only female consultant I remember was my daughter had a, a health problem. So she went to Alderhey, you know, the children's hospital up in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and she had a, a woman specialist who was absolutely lovely. Uh, but I don't know whether that's because women tend to help children more than men do or whether that was completely coincidence. Because at the time, I didn't think about it. And this is going back between 25 and 30 years ago. So, you know, this is a long time ago. So I fully believe things might have changed a lot since then.
1: <laughs> but um, I think they have, but I think that you're right. I think that they, even now they probably still are a lot more male consultants, male specialists. Although, I, you know, I don't think it's, um, I think we've moved, as I said, moved um, forward, but there is still a disparity. Um, so I think you, if you were to go and see a, a haematologist, yeah. You might, you, the you time know, you probably would see a, a male consultant. Yeah. But you know, in my job and in meeting loads of different specialists, I don't really think about um, the male to female ratio. Yeah. So I do yeah. see a lot of females as well, and although they're not consultants, they might be registrars. And, and just it just takes a while, doesn't it, to, to get that consultant yes. post? But um from my experience and speaking personally I don't think being a female has has really hindered my progress or if if I really if I really really wanted to be a consultant I'm sure I I would get there um of course you know I'd probably face a few things along the way as of any kind of um career but I think that you know if you wanted to do it you could definitely do it it wouldn't be easy but the opportunities are best yeah. yeah, and I think, I think also, you know, as I said, people do change. And for me, when I was applying to medical school, and when I was 18, I was my first year, I didn't think about having children. You know, I, yes. I didn't have a boyfriend. I, my, my focus was to become a doctor and to just yes. do everything I could to, to stay in medical school and ensure that I passed and I was doing very well. Yes. Um, I didn't think about getting married and having children. I didn't actually didn't want children, you yes. know. And, and now, 10 years later, I'm getting married and I'm thinking about having children, and so I've chosen general practice. I was always one of those students who, you know, was like, "Oh, I'm not going to be a GP. I want to be a specialist." Yes. And things change, and so yes. you have to think about what's important to you. I mean, I've I've lost um, people that have been important in my life, yeah. and for me, I I realised how precious and how short life is, and so. For me, I don't really want to be sitting in exams when I'm 40 and, you know, even when I do become a consultant, I can't get a consultant post or I have to get a consultant post thousands of miles away or something. Um, For me, I would, you know, I'll be a GP when I'm about 30 um I can take a break I can work part-time I can go into education I can do further research I can go back to university I can have children I can yeah. enjoy my life yeah, I just,
0: a chance.
1: yeah yeah exactly so I think things just change and it depends I mean if I was 10 you know from 18 to 10 years later and if I still didn't want children then yeah, yeah I probably would you know think about doing something more academic or or yeah. staying in the hospital you know it might my, my my um what I choose would be would be so different yes things things change don't they and and that's why i always say to the the students that i teach and i mentor you know be open-minded you know don't think that oh you're going to be the same person you are 10 years later because you're probably not going to be you know so hmm.
0: you change so much all the time you can never really predict so you have to go with the flow but exactly you are listening To Anna Letitia Cook at Women Up Radio. I know you've got a special interest in encouraging and opening the doors for the next generation. I know you find that really important. And obviously, it's something that needs to be approached from several different angles. So, you've got to look from the student's point of view, from medical training organisations and then from the hospitals, clinics, and research organisations. So if I take each of those individually, what do you think students can do to better their options and to give themselves a greater chance of succeeding?
1: I think there's loads of things they can do. I think the fact that now they have technology um and social media the internet or, I mean when okay I had the internet when I was young I'm not that old but um yeah. I didn't I just it wasn't as advanced as it is now and I think that there are there's so many different um avenues that and resources that they can use to help themselves and not only give them that um, understanding of medicine but also connect them to individuals I mean on Twitter you know you could just message someone or someone someone or something and and you know potentially network that way um putting social media aside I would also say go into events and networking you know offline as well um doing things so that you can meet people who might be able to help you get your foot in the door you know if you show someone say for instance you know I, I went to a a course or a, an open day or an event in the library and a doctor was happening happen, happen to speak at that event know, at the end of the event I would try and speak to them show them how enthusiastic yeah. I am show them my commitment to um, the, the career that I was choosing show tell them what I've done already what I'd like to do yeah. ask them if I could potentially shadow them or if they could put me in touch with someone yeah. just trying to be opportunistic and I think yeah. that's that's really key to succeeding yeah. um, other things kind of um And that relates to students themselves in terms of their personality again knowing knowing who you are, knowing what you like to do, knowing if you know this this career is going to be suited to you um, having a focus so yeah. that when things don't go completely right or something happens, you know you can hold on to that focus and just you know kind of go you know focus straight on it and not not get sidetracked mm-hmm. um having a support network I mean obviously a lot of teenagers or you know I don't I don't want to stereotype but looking back on my experience of course you you know your parents are your parents and you may not be able to talk to them about everything yeah. but they have the experience um I would say listen to your parents or listen to your guardians your carers listen to the older generation um listen to people like myself who may not be in their 50s but who will be approaching their 30s or the late 20s and who have gone through exactly what 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 yeah. they're, you know you're going through so I would say um all of that um it, <laughs> there's so much more I could say actually but I think no. I'll probably I'll probably keep it to those key yes <laughs> those no, key that's, things.
0: that's a great focus already and so what about medical schools how can they make their training more attractive to the upcoming generations and also, what can they do to make their courses and their ways of teaching more diverse and more inclusive and also more easily available to everyone? Because at the point you made about you going to a comprehensive, um, I fully understand that makes it incredibly more difficult to get access. So how can medical schools help that as well as everything else?
1: Well I think um, some of them or I would say majority of medical schools if not all of them do actually have some kind of outreach or widening participation scheme but I think there isn't that much research in terms of how many students say who kind of go on to these uh, schemes or engage with these activities how many of them actually end up Going to the medical school, the one that they, you know, attended the the scheme um, that was attached to the the scheme, or another medical school or university. I think that they need, although they are, you know, again, we have come a long way, but they, I think there just needs to be a little bit more done in terms of the outreach. I think yeah. also the the work experience that's a massive barrier to um, getting a place at medical school, which is so difficult to to uh, gain and to secure. I think that the medical schools need to work with, you know, hospitals so that we can get more work experience yeah. um, so that students can only understand more about medicine, but then it helps them with their application. Yes. So I think there are a few things that they could do. I think in terms of um, making their training more attractive, um, I think this is quite difficult, to be honest. I think a lot of... Um, so, so I can speak for UCL because... that's where I went they had um they still do I believe have dissection so you can learn anatomy by um actually dissecting um cadavers and understanding anatomy that way that's attractive yeah um there's there's things called PBL or problem-based learning which some people might like um or maybe variations of this maybe even just listening to alumni listening to um different organisations and students as to what they feel might be beneficial, how they feel that they uh, might learn the most and maximise their learning. I think also um, actively looking for um, people from um, or lecturers or or whoever it may be that the students will be interacting with, making sure that they are a bit more diverse, if if that's possible. I know that there aren't many say i don't know black professors in the uk or academics or even female academics i know the ratio of male to females is is um you know is is very low for for women for for females basically so i think trying to do what they can in terms of making um you know the people that engage directly with the students are more diverse and and can relate them and just understanding more about the the cohort that they have yeah
0: yeah that sounds good because that makes um, if people see more diverse academics or people in front of them it gives them more courage and more confidence in actually applying themselves so what about if we come to hospitals and clinics and research organi- organizations how can they widen their view and how can they show their support and open-minded consideration for all applicants based on their skills and motivation and merit because it seems sometimes that they don't really go just for skills, motivation, merit. There's always the the sort of almost I don't know how to explain it. There's the, the question mark behind about quotas and what sex people are what color they are what background they've come from so how can they overcome that and show that they really are being open-minded and they're considering people for the skills and the motivation that they've got
1: i think the key here for me anyway would just be making sure that there's work enough work experience or that it's you know it's fair as well in terms of who's getting these work experience places i know there are some hospitals that have um, work experience schemes throughout the year or or at least once or twice in the year so i think that's definitely key and i just think more hospitals need to be doing it. it needs to be more it just needs to be made more equal so you can't really have one or two hospitals doing this and then you know the rest of hospitals not even engaging i mean i have students and i feel so bad for them sometimes because they'll say to me oh I've, I've emailed this hospital or this i've made contact with this person and they've rejected me or i can't get work experience but there's only so much i can do myself so i think that it does need to come from the hospitals as well because we, you know everyone keeps saying we need more doctors yeah how are we going to get more doctors if we don't make it fair for the students who actually want to become doctors to get the things that they need so that they can get their start their career. Yeah. So I think I think for me the key thing is work experience because if you don't have work experience you're honestly you're not going to get a place in medical school. That is something so key and I think that it's just so difficult. So I think it, it needs to be more um it needs to be a, a more level playing field and that that comes from the hospitals, the clinics. Yeah. You know, it, it comes from from the NHS, you know. Yeah.
0: So is there at the moment is there a typical or a, a standard path to follow? That could be improved on. That would allow greater access. I mean, I know you've said about work experience, but is there anything else they can do to improve the whole
1: path to get there? Um, uh, I think. Am I so there, so there is? Well, <laughs> so there's a there is a standard path. To fun. I mean, the straightforward path would be what I did. You know. Um, apply to medical school, get the grades, go uh, six, five, six years and then you're a doctor and go on and do the training. Yeah. Uh, I think but there are also other pathways that some students may not know about. There are kind of like access to medicine courses. There are foundation courses, you know, so some students who may not have done typical science A-levels, they can go into a, or like a year course yeah. to learn all the basics about you know sciences, biology and so on. And then they can go on to or apply for a medical so there are a number of different courses to kind of get into medicine in a non-traditional way so perhaps more of these courses yes. um, and again just publicizing it if, if yeah. my colleague hadn't told me that and you know hadn't done my research um you know for my my company and for trying to prepare the students themselves I would not have known and yes. when I say when I make these students aware they're, they're really shocked because that will influence the path they take yeah. so i think just making um more of these more of these programs available and similar initiatives and then making them making um it making students more aware of it and publicizing it more yeah. i think that that's really important yeah makes a
0: huge difference So, and so what progress have you seen being made over i don't know the last 10 or 15 years
1: um so i think so when i applied to medical school um in about 2006 2007 um and i look at the cohort of about just over 300 students um i was one of about five black students and out of yeah and speaking to students now a decade later it's the same essentially there were there were not very many of um you know, certain um, BME, certain ethnicities yeah. uh, within within medical school, um, and so I think that although there have been more widening participation schemes, and you are getting more students applying and some more getting in, students from certain backgrounds and students from um, less privileged backgrounds, in particular, are still not. Um, uh, you know successfully applying to and getting a place in medical school so although there have been initiatives yeah. um, so we're still not doing enough or we're still missing something because mm-hmm. if, if if there was a significant progress I, I, you know, <laughs> things would have changed since I applied to medical school yeah and so it, so although there has been it, it still is lacking yeah, yeah.
0: What, mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen in the future do you think there'll be a breakthrough what direction do you see it taking
1: so, well I hope there will be a breakthrough I mean I think in terms of uh, more organizations and more uh, companies more widening participation schemes and outreach activities and, and making them more effective I would hope that there would be some kind of breakthrough it is a bit hard to stay optimistic given the fact that of what I've just told you in terms of when I applied and now and I'm being told I'm seeing the same thing yeah. it does it does make it hard to stay positive but mm-hmm. I think that it is by raising more awareness of the issues and doing what we can actively to, to change things. I think that there will be some progress. And as a, I think in terms of as well, research, more research needs to be done. I was speaking to someone from UCL this week who was saying that she's now looking into um, research into you know why some students are applying to certain medical schools while they're not applying to others what barriers are facing these applicants and what then after that research obviously what we can do to to um, influence that and change it so i think that it hopefully will change i don't know how quickly but i think it will change yes good excellent so
0: okay so have you got any other last tips or advice to do with careers
1: in medicine i think the, the tip or the advice i would have is just to really understand what the career entails and what what your choosing i mean that goes for any career to be honest but i think medicine in particular because it, as we mentioned at the start of the interview it, it is a very long process and i remember reading the prospectus cycle, there was a little line in there that says you know kind of prepare yourselves and not so many words because it's not a sprint it's a marathon and that was for the medical degree six years but actually the whole career is a a marathon and it will take a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of persistence um you know perseverance to really get to where you want to be in medicine so I, I would say if you're thinking about getting into a medical career um really do your research and think about Is this really what you want? Why? And where do you see yourself in five, ten plus years? Yes.
0: Yeah, great advice. I think that's great advice for everybody, but particularly when you've got a really long training and a lot Mm. of specialities involved. So thank you, Patrice. I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been very interesting. Likewise. Medicine isn't something that I really know about, except you know, from the side of meeting Mm. the patient. So, it's wonderful to hear from the medical side and all the opportunities that there could be and how to do things. So, really, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome, and I've enjoyed um, speaking to you as well.
0: Great. So, we'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Patrice Baptiste, doctor, writer, STEMnet ambassador, and founder of Dream Smart Tutors, for sharing her expertise on diversity in medicine and on opening the doors for the next generation. I'm Anna Letitia Cook. You've been listening to us at Women Up Radio. Thanks also to Meryl Guzel and Laura Martinez of UN Women's Empower Women for the wonderful work that they do to advance the case for women's equality today. And a big thank you to all of you listening in. I hope you've enjoyed hearing Patrice. Please send in any questions or feedback I'll put her social media and so, uh, contact details as well as our own on our website, womenup.global/radio. Women Up Radio. Designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success.